sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and think, what am I doing? Am I crazy? Which I think any entrepreneur, anyone who's, you know, stepping into a new business commitment probably has that experience at some point. But yeah, this summer I took the step to to start a retail cannabis shop in McCarthy. I guess the first thing I would say is that I'm shocked that it hasn't already happened in McCarthy. Welcome to the end of the road, a podcast brought to you by the Wrangell Mountain Center with a generous grant from the Alaska State Council on the Arts and from our supporters in Alaska and around the globe. We thank you. I'm Michelle McAfee. And I'm John Erdman, Executive Director of the Wrangell Mountain Center. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to connecting people with wild lands through art, science, and education in Alaska. In this episode, we talk via Zoom with local resident Jenny Rosenbaum about opening McCarthy's first retail cannabis shop, how she found McCarthy when she was 19 years old, and why she made McCarthy her home. You may occasionally hear the sound of that famous Zoom digital interference at times when the internet signal was less than steady. But consider the miracle of two people sitting thousands of miles away from each other sharing thoughts and stories with faces visible on a screen during an hour-long conversation. There is something magical about that. Speaking of magic, Jenny describes her moment of McCarthy magic when she arrived for the first time at the turn of the century. If you've been to McCarthy, Jenny's description might just sound familiar. I saw the mountains from Glen Allen and I was like, huh, I want to go check out that place. And I just followed the road to where I landed, and that was McCarthy. So that was in the year 2000. As soon as I landed in McCarthy, I think a lot of us have that experience and that feeling. And it was definitely that way for me. I mean, the magic that I wrote about in my journals, you know, in the first week or two that I was in McCarthy, it was it was just so palpable. Like, oh, I was so starstruck. You know, even at the age of 19, I never could have imagined choosing to live in a place because it's where I wanted to live, as opposed to like circumstance. You know, at that age, it was like family or school or work. But McCarthy really gave me the sense of like, oh, actually, you can live in a place because the place is enough and make everything else work from there. What is it? Or can I can I put a name to or can I define what it is about McCarthy? I don't know if any of us really can. I think it's pretty abstract for everyone, but it's still a thing. That thing Jenny talks about, that magnetism, magic, and pull of McCarthy, can be intoxicating when you first taste the sweetness of the McCarthy community and the Wrangell Mountains. But does it fade with time? 21 years for me, and life has changed a lot. But right now I'm sort of straddling that line between knowing and feeling that McCarthy's my home and where I want to put all of myself, but also realizing that I have to um, sort of cleave part of that off because I have a five-year-old and his needs have changed our needs. So, so I'm straddling that line and I think it makes it more real than ever. That feeling of starstruck, you know, I mean, it's like having a new love, right? It changes, but it's still home. It's still where my heart is. And it still is really challenging to not be there, not be pouring all of myself into that. It's interesting that sort of sophomore period where you have that fear of maybe it'll go away. Um, in 2005, I did an internship in New York City for um, a photography magazine, and I was there six months, and they offered me a full-time position, like at a fancy restaurant. Steve Martin was at a table, like a couple tables away, you know, the whole package. They laid the package out on the table, and 
I looked at them and said, no, I tested myself. You know, I went and yeah, I left. I had to step out and check it out, you know, because I came and I, I didn't expect to stay when I came and it kept nagging at me. Like, is this the right decision? So I, I kind of had to test it and I got my answer. McCarthy certainly causes some love at first sight energy with many people, but it's not always the easiest place to stick it out. We asked Jenny what the most challenging part of living in McCarthy has been for her. My most challenging McCarthy life moment is probably the first winter after my son was born. I was out at the Nazina with him alone almost that whole winter, and I was working, and he had health problems, and I was just, yeah, that winter ate me alive. But I never questioned that I was in the right place or doing the right thing. I just knew that the place and the thing made what was happening harder. I mean, I, I remember one day reading a blog of someone who was talking about something they were struggling with that seemed really just kind of banal to me, you know, just sort of like, okay, whatever, you know, this daily thing that they were struggling with. And I just, I kind of broke and I just went outside and threw snowballs at a tree and just, you know, let the tears pour. Cause it was, yeah, it just made me realize that what I was dealing with was big. Making a life in McCarthy takes moxie and plenty of creativity to earn a living in a place so remote. I was curious about what kinds of jobs Jenny held down in order to live in McCarthy. I, you know, I think it's interesting because it, it, I mean, I think everyone's employment evolves as they grow up. You know, I was 19 when I showed up. So I was doing the typical tourist stuff. I worked at the pizza parlor. I worked for the lodge. I worked for Gary Green for a number of years. I did some construction work for the Morrisons and for other people around town. I cooked in hunting camp done all sorts of little odd job type stuff. You know, you piece it together and um, you start to get to know people and what they need. And then I sort of fell into bookkeeping and accounting. And that's sort of been my niche for, I don't know, going on 15 years now, actually. So yeah, I mean, I did, I did a lot of the typical seasonal stuff. Never was a guide, but uh, I love the construction. I love building. I love log building. Um, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, the bookkeeping has sort of been my mainstay since then. 2009, I started working from home for a firm based in Anchorage. I can work kind of however much I want from wherever I want. And that, you know, the advent of the internet and McCarthy, like I remember snow machining to Chitna so I could use a payphone. And now that you have the internet and McCarthy, people have the ability to make a living from home. And having that option of being able to work from home and make a really great living was really life-changing. I was able to drop out of the summer seasonal rat race, which gave me summers off, um, which allowed me to really focus on my homestead and my garden, which became a small source of income in itself. I think you, you find your path and piece things together. For me, that's been largely based on working from home as a tax accountant and uh, being able to focus on my homestead. So you've described the benefits of internet coming into McCarthy. Do you see any negative effects being connected more in that way to the outside world? I mean, absolutely. I think I think we all have seen our lives change in ways that may feel more convenient, but there's sort of a nostalgia, sort of just missing the the simplicity and also sort of the introspection and the mental complexity before. You know, I remember my 
second winter in McCarthy, my boyfriend and I decided we were going to read the Bible because it was a big book and it would be interesting to talk about. Um, neither of us being Christians, but just like, hey, let's try this thing. I definitely used to spend a lot more time delving into big projects and reading and exploring things that way. And with the internet, it's just so much easier to not do those things. And I don't think it takes away from life in McCarthy, but it definitely changes the quality of you know, what you're experiencing every day. So Jenny had the vision to start a business in McCarthy, one that would be local, fun, and fresh. With retail cannabis being legal in Alaska for the last six years, Jenny saw opportunity. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and think, what am I doing? Am I crazy? Which I think any entrepreneur, anyone who's, you know, stepping into a new business commitment probably has that experience at some point. But yeah, this summer I took the step to to start a retail cannabis shop in McCarthy. And it's been an interesting process, sort of how that idea has evolved, but it's going pretty well. I guess the first thing I would say is that I'm shocked that it hasn't already happened in McCarthy or that someone hasn't already started that process. You know, it's been legal for six years in Alaska. Seems like a no-brainer that McCarthy would have its own shop. And yeah, I'm, I'm taking the step to do it. There's a lot of paperwork. I'm working really hard all the time on the little details. I have a lawyer helping me through a lot of it. Um, the licensing process is very rigorous. McCarthy is a unique community in many ways, which makes the licensing process, well, kind of tricky. Most towns in Alaska belong to a borough, which oversees the retail cannabis licensing process. But McCarthy doesn't belong to a borough, nor is it within 50 miles of a state governing body. And we have a mail shack, not an official post office. Because of these special circumstances, Jenny must go the petition route to get a retail cannabis license, which means ultimately the community decides. Her petition needs supporting signatures from two-thirds of the permanent residents. But in McCarthy, who is a permanent resident? So many people who call McCarthy home call it home in their hearts. And the state doesn't really care about that. Finding that definition and drawing those lines in the community, it feels divisive when you're doing it. Like, oh no, this person actually doesn't count and this person does. It's a very clinical process in a community that how we define home is not clinical. Here's a little shocking detail is in 2010, the census I think showed 28 people for residents in McCarthy. And the census in 2020 showed 107 people. So when I got that number, I kind of had to take a deep breath and go like, okay, because two-thirds of 107 people is 70-something. It's been a really interesting process and in talking to, you know, residents and talking to the government about how that's defined. Rules, regulations, and laws can be challenging in any situation, but especially in a remote community that defies most definitions and doesn't fit into what is considered a normal town. I think most folks who live in McCarthy are proud of that, and it may be why they chose to live here. But retail cannabis has only existed in Alaska for six years, and those who open new retail shops are on the front edge of creating a path forward for how these businesses will exist in our state. 
Many people are excited about the prospect of McCarthy having its own retail shop, but others are not. I feel like there's been overwhelming support. I think, you know, there's there's opposition, obviously, and the people who are opposing have the opportunity to write a letter of opposition to the Marijuana Control Board, and I get CC'd on that, which is a really cool part of the process, too, because there's a lot of transparency in what people are thinking and saying. So there is opposition, and there's been a lot of support from people that I actually wouldn't expect. You know, people have picked up the phone and called me and said, wow, this is really cool. And that feels really good to be supported in that way and have people sort of cheering on my idea. And I think that supports something that I'm going to need to carry me through the the license application process. And the people who are opposed, I can appreciate and respect that too. I've had some some pretty good phone conversations with people who are pretty strongly opposed. It's understandable that not everyone in the community would be behind Jenny's business idea. So we asked Jenny what concerns have been raised in the community in regards to a retail cannabis shop opening in McCarthy. There are some people who just believe marijuana is bad and, you know, it's a drug and it could destroy our community. I, so there's there's that level of concern, which is a really hard level of concern to have a conversation about because fundamentally I disagree with that. So when they say things like, you know, we'll have addicts or crime is going to increase or domestic violence will increase, that's a difficult conversation to have because I don't fundamentally agree with the basis of that statement. But I'm happy to have conversations with those people about um, how I plan to keep my storefront secure or safe you know, how I plan to ensure that I don't sell to people who are under 21 and how I plan to be respectful of the community. So I think aside from the marijuana is bad argument, there's this idea that that it'll be a stain on the community. Having this storefront will negatively affect our community. And it really all does come back to community. It comes back to how it looks on the community and how it speaks of our community. And I think that says a lot about how people feel about McCarthy and where they hold it in their hearts. You know, there's been concern that it will negatively affect tourism, which I don't think is the case. And there are safety concerns, which I don't necessarily identify with or understand, but I'm absolutely open to working with the community to ensure that, you know, safety is at the height of my concerns too. So what will Jenny's shop be like? She describes the vision of the business she wants to create. I'm really excited about the possibility of selling local herbal infusions, and I'd love to have little local things that can be sold in the store. I want the place to feel warm and inviting. I don't want it to feel, you know, cold and clinical as far as the regulations and, you know, let me see your ID and that kind of thing. I want to really strive to make the environment feel inviting and warm in spite of those things. The building is going to be log, so it'll have a a warmth in itself. And uh, I I hope to get input from locals. You know, I've had a lot of locals tell me, oh, I drive to Anchorage, you know, two or three times a summer just to get what I need. Um, And so I'd love to be able to have input from locals, uh, sort of special order style. I think it could grow into being sort of a really cool center where people can have access to other people's creative crafts. And um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a fun experience and a fun process. McCarthy is a place of change, natural dynamic changes in the landscape and human changes in the community with infrastructure, technology, more residents and new businesses. Jenny has been in McCarthy long enough to witness many such changes. So we asked her what kind of changes her five-year-old son might witness in McCarthy over the next 10 to 20 years. That's so hard to say. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in McCarthy 21 years and I look back at how much it has changed. And I think about the people that I fell into life with in McCarthy. They had been here about that long at that time. So if I look back on what their lives were like when they first showed up, you know, in the 80s compared to when I showed up in 2000, I mean, that that change is massive. You know, from 1983 to 2000, you know, McCarthy got phones, McCarthy got a footbridge, you know, huge changes. And then from 2000 to 2021, the changes are a little more abstract. I don't know if it's because I've lived through them or because they have more to do with information and technology and less to do with infrastructure. But I've thought a lot about what, you know, what the future of McCarthy will be like. And I really don't know. I think I could see things like my Nazina homestead, which is 10 miles south of McCarthy and takes me about an hour to get to when I'm in my truck. I could see that becoming much less on the outskirts of town and much more easily accessible. But again, that's more infrastructure. It's hard to put a finger on the more abstract changes. And I I don't have a good sense of that, no. Jenny mentions her homestead on the Nizina River several times. But toward the end of our conversation, she made a point of letting me know that it is a very important part of her life. I asked her to tell me more about that. I guess 2010 to 15 I spent most of my time and energy out there at my homestead and I have 2,100 square foot of greenhouse space out there and a quarter acre garden. And uh, in the summer, just poured all of my energy into the garden and the, the high tunnels. And like in 2015, I put up, I think, 65 pints of salsa from my tomatoes, from my greenhouses and hundreds of pounds of squash. And that's a... Uh, that's the real living as far as I'm concerned. And, and it's, um, it's hard to find your way to it. And I think that's the, been the challenging part for me is stripping away everything else. So that can become my priority and my focus is really a challenge. I put so much energy into my homestead and was, you know, growing and harvesting almost everything that I ate and selling large amounts of produce sort of as a short blip in my 21 years in McCarthy. But for me personally, like that's, that's sort of the, the the big thing that I carry in my heart with me is that I have that capacity to do that. And yeah, I think just life and circumstance has sort of pushed me away from that. It's sort of a labyrinth trying to find my way back. And uh, I, I'm hoping in some ways that this cannabis retail shop can, can dovetail into that because it can give me a more local based way to make income. It can ground me in McCarthy with my income and uh, sort of keep me there. This is the final episode of season two. 
And it feels fitting to conclude with a McCarthy resident of two decades, speaking affectionately of a time period of gardening and sustainable living on her homestead. Jenny's journey began when she arrived in McCarthy and had the epiphany that she could live in a place because the place is enough and make everything else work. In many very fundamental ways, Jenny's epiphany and life trajectory reflect the values that we hold dear at the Wrangell Mountain Center and the values held by so many today who call the McCarthy Kennecott community home. The place speaks to us and evokes so many profound experiences of the heart and mind, things like wonder, appreciation, perspective, and love. All of these stirrings inspire us to invest in this place, to link the stories of our lives with the ever-evolving story of this place. Season two of our podcast has taken us from tales of the ghost town days of McCarthy past up to local contemporaries whose stories are still unfolding. The common theme is a love of the land and a shared experience of being transformed by engaging this wilderness and community on its own terms. We hope that these stories inspire us all to continue to invest in our unique mountain community here in the Wrangells and in wildlands and rural communities across Alaska and around the world. Because as Jenny said, the place is enough. You can go to www.wrangles.org, that's Wrangles with two L's, to listen to more episodes from our podcast. At our website, you can also help support us financially. You can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter, and you can check out the programs that we operate here in McCarthy during the summer. And visit our Facebook and Instagram pages to stay up to date on WMC happenings and to get a flavor of the sights and sounds as the ever-changing seasons roll on in the Wrangles. I'm your host, John Erdman, episode writer, producer, and executive director of the Wrangell Mountain Center. And I'm your host, Michelle McAfee, episode writer, editor, and audio engineer. And thanks to David Jacob Strain for mastering this episode. And special thanks to the Alaska State Council on the Arts and to our supporters far and wide. And a big thank you to the very busy Jenny Rosenbaum for taking the time to share her journey with us. And thank you for joining us at the end of the road.